One of the most common questions that I get asked is, why am I struggling in sales? Followed by, what causes it? Followed by, what can I do to fix it? Now, the good news for you is there are ways to take care of struggles in sales. You just got to know what to do. And you got to put in the work. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. Coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios on episode number 176. Why am I struggling in sales? You know, it's funny is uh, there's times where I work with salespeople. There's times where I work with organizations. And there is a point where, you know, salespeople throw their hands up in the air. And they're like, I don't know why I'm struggling. And so part of it is going to come down to some of you. And part of it's going to come down to some of you. <laughs> I know that that's not the answer that you wanted to hear. But this is more of a common problem than you know. This this happens a lot. And uh, at all levels, at all levels, brand new salespeople, intermediate salespeople, and then even with closers, you know, uh, there's streaks, there's cycles and everything. And when it comes to sales, you got to know what's normal and what's not. And just like when you're meeting with a client and you're talking them through, like, here's what to expect and here's the things and, and you're giving them, you know, like, I want you to be happy with everything and you're setting that expectation. I have to set the expectation with you that it's normal to struggle in sales. It's normal. And then, especially in the beginning, it's very normal to struggle in sales. And then like you you hit different cycles, you hit different different items at each level of your uh, uh, growth in the sales process. So, you know, you're going to struggle a little bit differently if you're brand new than if you're intermediate. You're going to struggle a little bit differently uh, if you've been in the sales for a while and you're a veteran than somebody who's who's intermediate. And if you're at the very, very top, you're at the top 0.8% of the world of sales, you're going to struggle a little bit differently than somebody who's walking in brand new. But there's a lot of correlation between what causes a struggle, okay? And so, you know, the first and the foremost thing, if somebody's brand new, the struggle is just getting used to being in sales. And uh, when, you, when you take a look at the cycles, when you take a look at the numbers, when you take a look at what people go through, there, there are normal things, right? You, you lose something or you gain something, okay? So let's start with lose something. You lose a car, you lose a house. You lose a significant other, you lose a family member, you lose a friend, Okay. You get something, you get a house, you get a significant other, you get a kid, you get a vacation. These things are all distractions. So distractions are one of the biggest reasons why you struggle in sales next to uh, skills. Distractions are, are the things are, that, that all salespeople struggle with, all business owners struggle with. And, you know, they, they are common. And so you have to figure out how to work yourself into being in sales and having distractions. Now, I got to let you know, you have to get the reps in. It's like going to the gym. So I, I go to the gym in the morning. 
you know, 4.30, 4.45, I go to the gym, working on building some muscle mass. Uh, you know, you could build some bulk quick. You can. And the same thing's true when you put the right work into the sales process. So if you're like, why am I struggling in sales? My first question is, how many reps do you have in? How many reps do you have in? You know, um, the the cycles that you go through really can depend upon the repetitions that you put in, in your sales process. And like, I'm going to say some of this is sales basic mastery. And sometimes salespeople don't want to hear this. They want like the magic bullet. They want the thing that's going to get them to close deals when the thing that's going to get them to close deals is knowing what to say and do. And that happens from one role play and two living through the process. There's only so much that role play can prepare you for. There's only so much that scripts and word tracks it can prepare you for. And then you really have to go out in the real life and you're not acting anymore inside of a room. You're doing the real thing. And so with that being said, I want you to think about a couple of things. You know, I love stand-up comedy. I love stand-up comedy. You know, at one point I wanted to do stand-up and you know, at some point um, I might just pursue that. I've, I've done my set on stage. I've done my set on stage a couple of times, but like, you know, to, to go travel town to town, I haven't. Okay. So... Comedians, what they do is if they're if they're getting ready for a show and they've got new content, they'll go to some little tiny town in the middle of nowhere and they'll go practice their new their new content. They'll get up on stage and they'll do their set. And you know, in their set, what happens is they'll typically use the first two to five minutes to try new material. And what they're doing is they're like, you know, how do I get this timing? How do I say this in the right time? How do I get the, the story in the right order for, for the most amount of anticipation and the most amount of laughs? And, and how can I milk the crowd? And, you know, one of the best guys at this is Jerry Seinfeld. And Jerry Seinfeld says, hey, look, you know, I've got two minutes on stage before people boo me and get upset with me. So he's like, I will go test two minutes of content in a small town in the middle of nowhere to get my, my content going right. And there is a reason why I'm bringing this up is you do have to put in the work. You have to put in the reps. You have to get your timing down. And so one of the things that I see is when salespeople do ride-alongs, you have a veteran salesperson who's been out in the field, I don't know, 10 years, and you've got a new guy or a new girl, and they go ride with the salesperson, and, and they have their script memorized, or they've got a very similar script to the new guy or to the new girl. And... They, they go do a ride-along, and then they come back and they go, you know, that guy or that girl doesn't do things very differently than what I do, and I don't know why I'm struggling. And I, I've seen enough sales presentations, I've done enough ride-alongs in my life to know that the problem comes down to, it's not that you, you don't know the script, it's that you don't own it, that you don't have your timing in, you don't have your ability to milk what needs to be milked, you don't have the questions in the right order, and your comfort level isn't there. And, you know, I will pin a number for you. I want to put a number to this, that it takes the average salesperson about two to 600 presentations to feel normal, two to 600. And, you know, you start thinking about how many hours are involved to two to 600 sales presentations. And, and the more expensive your product is, and the more time that you put into the presentation, the bigger the chance of you getting tired for you to get off track. You know, uh, I spend a lot of time on the beach, spend a lot of time in Hawaii, and, you know, sometimes I will go walk past some of the kiosks where they're selling stuff and, you know, somebody walks up and they're like, hey, I want to buy this. And the person's like, yeah, it's like 10 bucks. 
there's no risk in a $10 offer unless somebody's not selling anything. If you sell a $10,000 product or a $20,000 product, it takes a little bit longer to sell that good. It takes a little bit longer to sell that service. And because of it, there's more risk involved. So like you can be rejected under these elements, time, effort, energy, risk, or reputation. Those are, that's the formula for, for rejection. It's also the formula for regret. And so if you haven't put in enough time, if you haven't put in enough reps, you know, your sales presentation is not going to feel normal. It's not going to feel like you're talking to somebody. It's going to feel like you're talking at them. And so like, you know, there's been a time in your presentations, there's been a time in my presentations where people go, whoa, 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 where did the used car salesman come from? It's because I went from rapport, which is normal conversation, like we're talking right now, to salesman speak. And the cadence was different. The pitch and tone were all different. The volume was different. The comfort level was different. And there's a definite shift. There's a definite shift. And, and I got to say, from the amount of ride-alongs that I've done, I've seen it happen real time. I've seen it happen on the phone. I've seen it happen on Zoom. I've seen it happen, you know, uh, face-to-face, one to few, one to many. It happens a lot. And part of this is uh, confidence. Part of this is what you feel in your presentation. There's a You have a different feel when you're confident. You have a different way that you sound when you're confident. You have a different reaction to objections when you're confident. And when you're struggling, you have to find that confidence. You have to find and dig in and be like, I got to get my confidence back in there. You know, like people will tell you, like, just do the slump buster thing and give something away. Well, that can work to an extent. But here's what normally happens is, you know, salespeople are really good at finding all the negative things. Like I closed a deal, but I had to discount to get it. Listen, you celebrate all wins. You celebrate all wins. Even if the, the win wasn't the greatest thing ever, you celebrate all wins because if you start discounting why you sold that job, why you had that sale, why you made that deal, then you start working against your confidence. You start being counterintuitive to what's happening. And so you have to have that confidence. You know, one of the things that I really like doing uh, is I do go to the bars. I get myself a Shirley Temple or a cranberry juice or a water, and I watch guys hit on girls. It's a little bit different. When a girl hits on a guy, almost always the answer is yes except for if there's a couple of circumstances we're not going to get into. But, you know, watching a guy walk up to a girl, you've got the player that goes over and starts talking to a girl. And, you know, she gives him some rejection. He pushes back. You got, on the other end of the spectrum, somebody who's not so good with women that walks over and is like, hey, hey, um, I I saw you from uh, across the room. And, you know, from watching the body language of the woman, there is a different reaction. There's a different chemistry most of the time. This isn't 100% because most of the time women will be like, I'm sorry, I've got a boyfriend. I'm sorry, I'm not interested. You know, I'll take the drink from you, but we're not going to do a date and I'm not going to give you my number, my Instagram, my Snapchat, you know, my TikTok account. None of that's going to happen, but I, I will take a drink. And And so... There is an energy to the confidence that you have. There is a feel to the people that are around you. And so it's not just what what you're putting off, it's how the people receive it and how they respond to it. You know, and and there is a difference between confidence and arrogance. There is a huge difference between confidence and arrogance. And I don't know. I there's some people who like it, there's some people who don't when it comes to arrogance. So if if you're sitting here and you're like, "You know what?" I just, I need a strategy to kind of see what this is like real time. What's something that I can do real time to watch this? Go to the bar, get yourself a water, 
get yourself a, a blue dolphin as they refer to them. Get yourself a blue dolphin, get yourself a Shirley Temple, get yourself a cranberry juice. Um, and, and just watch guys hit on girls. It's one of the most fascinating things that you can do. Uh, my friends and I, we used to sit at a table and as this would go down, we would bet, we would bet against each other. We'd be like, yep, he's going to get the number. Yep. He's going to take her home or no chance, no chance. And you know, there was times where I was wrong that either way that I thought the guy had plenty of confidence, girl just wasn't interested, or I thought that the guy had no chance. And for whatever reason, the woman said, yes, it's, it's uh, interesting. It's human nature at its finest. And it's one of the coolest ways to learn about body language. It's one of the coolest ways to, to watch timing and to watch interactions. Now, I do want to, I want to warn you of something. And uh, it's what I could refer to as the meltdown. And the meltdown is a guy goes over to a girl, starts hitting on her, starts to ask her out, ask, tell her, you know, he's interested. And for whatever reason, she's very gracious about it, but rejects him. But dude flips out. Dude goes crazy. Says all sorts of mean stuff. And then ends up walking away and looking silly. Now, uh, I have made this mistake in dating. I have made this mistake in sales. But it's very interesting to watch how fast uh, the guy can go from from almost a hero, almost a hero to a zero. And I'm going to say almost a hero because it's you know nice person up until the point of being rejected. And so like, that energy carries over to your next call. If you throw a fit and you don't have that confidence around you and you have a meltdown in one sales call, it's entirely possible to drag that into the next presentation. And then you're just angry. You're just angry. I got to watch somebody give a presentation the other day and it was online. It was for an online product. And this salesperson really didn't want to give the presentation. And I looked and I'm listening. And I've known this person for a while. And I'm listening. And I closed my eyes. And the energy was just off. Salesperson didn't want to. Didn't want to give the presentation. Didn't want to be there. And so it felt angry. There's intention to what you have. And so you're like, hey, Scott why, why am I struggling in sales? Well, part of it's going to come down to your attitude towards the people that you're meeting with. Part of it's going to come down towards what you believe in yourself. You know, I love the Henry Ford saying that if you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, you can't. You're right. And I see this happen a lot in sales. So, you know, if you're asking Scott, why am I so bad at sales? Why am I so bad at sales? Well, you're not bad it's just you're not seasoned. You don't you don't have enough time in. So like I'm going to put down no preparation. What have you done to prepare? You know, uh I I tend to love Monday mornings and I know this that just from working with as many salespeople and entrepreneurs that I have that most most salespeople, most entrepreneurs hate Monday. So they roll in late, they're not prepared, you know, so maybe Monday for them starts at 11 and then they kind of eh. I'm going to leave early today at four o'clock. So in all essence, they put six hours in. And if, if you're looking, Mondays can be your secret weapon. And same is true about a Friday. I don't know how many salespeople like call it quits at, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. They're like, peace out, Girl Scout, I'm done. So you have a huge benefit. You now know something that a lot of, of salespeople don't think about. If you start early on a Monday and you get your repetitions in, and you stay later on a Friday, you're getting five days in a weekend when everybody else is getting three. You know, you start figuring out the math. People start figuring out reasons to take breaks. 
you know, one of the ways that I size up salespeople, I'm like, you know, do you work on the weekends? And if they're like, there's no way in the world I'd ever work on a weekend. It's not a bad thing. It's, you know, there's people who are like, I only want to work Monday through Friday. Cool. Cool. I'm not knocking it. It's just one of those things that I take a look at. So I'll ask people, you know, what do you, what do you think about working on Monday mornings? I hate Mondays. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. What do you think about working in the evenings? I hate working in the evenings. I'm like, so when do you work? You know, you, you have like a slight window. You got late morning and early lunch and lunch and then after lunch. So you got like five hours in the day that you can work. What about Fridays? I leave early every Friday. <laughs> you know, and you wonder why you're getting slaughtered in sales. It's, it's no preparation. It's no role play. No role play. You know, uh, the best of the best of the salespeople that I know, they may not want to role play, but they'll do it. They're like, yeah, you know what? I've, I've done all my repetitions, but you know what? If you're asking me, I'll do it. And then the people who are struggling, they don't want to look bad. So what happens? You say, hey, let's role play. They go, no, not today. I'm like, well, that closer is going to do it. They really didn't want to, but they're going to do it. Or, you know, closer's like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll role play every second of the day. You know, throw, throw me the ball. Let's, let's go. But people who are struggling don't because they don't want to look like they're, they're really bad at what they do. And in a room, if there's 20 salespeople, the most critical people after a role player are the people who are struggling the most. You know, that's, that's what I look for. I do a training session. I work with a team. I look around. And I'm like, who's the most critical in here? And then I'll ask, what are their numbers? And I can pretty much tell you almost every time that somebody's super critical about other salespeople, it's a way to defend against them not knowing what they're doing. No patience. Oh, my goodness. My name's Scott. My name is Scott Sylvan Bell. And there are days where I'm impatient. There are days where I'm very impatient. And so, like, your patience has to matter. You're going to get asked the same questions all over and over again. And it's not the person's fault that you're meeting with that they're asking the same question that the last person asked. You know, you have to have the patience. You have to have the willingness to tell the same story over and over again, ask, answer the same question over and over again, give the same demonstration over and over again. I'm going to give you one that you may not have thought of, not putting the sale on the horizon. And that's a form of future pacing. That's a form of, of explaining what's going to happen. That's a form of saying when we do this, not if we do it, but when we do this. And there is some urgency I will say that there's some urgency put here. And when done right, it does feel like pressure. When done wrong, it feels like bad pressure. And so when when you take a look at putting a, a sail on the horizon, you're putting it on a point and saying, this is the direction that we're going to march. This is the outcome that we're shooting for. And this is this is one of the important things in your in your diagnosis phase or asking questions. You know, what is it ultimately at the end of the day that you want? What is it that you're looking for? What's the outcome that you want? Whatever way you ask it. Okay, so if I ask you what's the outcome that you want, and you're like, hey, Scott, I want sales training, and I want to be really good at what you do. Well, I'm going to put that on the horizon. I'm going to say, like, I don't know, let's give you three months. We'll give you 90 days. You know, I'll work with you for 90 days. Let's put that on the horizon. Uh, 90 days from now, here's what you should be doing when you work with me. Now, the natural reaction here is about seven to 10 times of you telling me I haven't made a decision yet. And this is going to tie right into patience. So these two things go together. Early on in my sales career, I didn't see that that fight needed to be there, that 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 back and forth with the buyer needed to be there. They were protecting themselves. I'd say, when we do this, and they go, if. I'd say, when we do this, and they go, if. I'd say, when we do this, they go, well, I haven't made a decision yet. And then like I would give up because in my mind, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm a bad salesperson. I suck. Why am I so bad at sales? And what it was, was I wasn't being patient enough 
and I wasn't putting in the reps. I wasn't putting in the work. I wasn't giving them time to to allow the picture to be painted for what they needed and for what they wanted. And then uh, I started counting like, okay, so like I'm going to say when we do this. No, Scott, I haven't decided. It's between seven and 10 times that somebody finally goes, you know what? Hey, here's the thing. I'm really excited about getting this done. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna share a story with you. So uh, last weekend I went fishing. There you go. That's it, the end. Like, what, Scott? That's not interesting. That's a bad story. That's no good. I'm like, yep. So the problem is there's no tension. There's no relief. There's, there's nothing that goes good into a story. Now, if I tell you this, you know, uh, I woke up on Saturday at 3.30 in the morning because I was heading to the charter ship uh, in Oakland, and uh, I was picking up a buddy. And, and the buddy happened to be up drinking all night. So when I got to his house at 3.30... Uh, his girl was leaving and he was finishing, you know, his 12 pack or his 18 pack. And so I, I get him in the car and he's buzzed and he's, he's like got some issues because he's had too much to drink. So I have to pull over a couple of times. Now here's the thing. I need to be to the docks by 5:45. I need to be from Sacramento to Oakland, ready for the boat to go. And, uh, every time that I stop, it causes some problems. And we get to almost San Francisco and I get a flat tire and I'm got the car up. I got the jack going. I'm getting everything done. And a California highway patrolman pulls up behind me, asks me what I'm up to, wants to know where I'm going. I'm good, but he meets my friend and my friend's drunk. And he almost gives him a ticket for being drunk in public. And I get to the docks at the, with, the, with, with no time left. I, I needed to be at the docks at 545 and I get there at 543 and we get to the captain and the captain's asking my friend why he's so drunk and he's questioning if he should allow him to be on the boat. And ultimately at the end of the day, he gets on the boat, we catch some fish, we have a record day. It's amazing. And so if you, if you, if you think about the difference between the two of them, you know, there, there was something to the story. There was conflict, there were issues. And the same thing happens when you have a sales process. Now, you can be a masterful presenter and you can deal with all the objections and, you know, people just buy from you. But that's not the normal, you know, um, that's not the normal process that most salespeople go through. If you're a closer, you've got your stuff down, completely different story. If you're a closer and you're struggling, it's because you're cutting out parts of your presentation and you're being impatient. But you have to you have to have some sort of conflict there. And the, and the conflict in my story was I get to my friend's house and his girl's leaving and it's 3.30, he's still drunk. Okay, that's one step of conflict. The next step is we're driving and he's got to take care of some bodily functions along the way. And then the next step is we get a flat tire and uh, I change the tire and I'm almost ready to get going and I got to get to the dock, but I get stopped by the highway patrolman. There's some conflict. And then I, I get to the dock. I mean, I, I do get to the dock and then the, the boat owner is there and he's not happy that my friend is drunk and doesn't want him to get on the boat. That's more conflict. Okay. And then the resolution is we caught a bunch of fish and had a good time. But if I just go, hey, I went fishing this weekend, it's not that interesting. And so this is an analogy for what you got to get used to in sales is there's parts to the story. There's parts to the conversation. And if you just speed through the process and you're like, yeah, I caught a fish, it's not enough for your buyer. You know, they need to be engaged. They need to be enthralled. And to them, you know, they somewhat want to be entertained. I watch uh, Gladiator at least once or twice a month. And and there's a point where uh, Russell Crowe's character, Maximus, is out there. And he's like, are you not entertained? After, you know, he destroys a bunch of people. Well, sometimes your your buyers aren't entertained because your timing's off. Your patience is off. Your stories are off. 
Why am I so bad at sales? No networking. You know, you, you don't have somebody to talk to. And so I have two groups of people that I talk to throughout the day in different industries and do different things. And like, if I'm in a slump, they're like, get out of the slump, man. You, you, you're, you're negative right now. You got to get unnegative. Let's talk about happy stuff. Let's talk about, you know, women's beach volleyball, team Brazil. Let's, let's talk about big wave surfing. Oh, big wave surfing right now is amazing. Um, let's, let's talk, let's talk about something cool. Let's talk about one of your goals. You know, uh, it could be that you're not working with others. You may not have a team of people to work with. You may, this is past the network. This is a group that you role play with. And so why is sales so difficult? Well, most books on sales repeat and rehash a lot of the same information. There's a few that don't, but for the most part, most sales books say this. You go in and you build rapport. That's the, that's the answer to everything. Build rapport. And rapport uh, to a point works for you, and then rapport to a point works against you. And when you're, when you're meeting with somebody, they're, they're watching your program. They're looking at the way that you interact. They are, they're looking at the way that you talk. They're listening. And like they may not think about this up front, but they're, they're figuring out your pattern. They're figuring out your Rubik's Cube. They're figuring out your Tetris. They're figuring out your chess game. They're figuring out your backgammon. They're figuring out your checkers. Whatever way you want to explain it, they're figuring out your game. And so the more rapport that you build, the easier they are to like look at and see everything that you're doing and reverse engineer yourself. But they're not thinking this. That's not what they're thinking. What they're thinking is something's wrong here because it doesn't make sense. A couple of minutes ago, I sat down with this, this sales guy and now he seems completely different. Okay. And so, you know, the, the number one answer for everybody is like, you're not building enough rapport. Well, I go on sales calls with people and sometimes they build way too much rapport. There is a happy medium. Let's look at it like a pendulum. There's not enough. There's just about right. And then there's way too much. And I will say about 50% of the salespeople that I ride with do way too much. I would say about 30% of the the salespeople I ride with don't do enough. And about 20% of the salespeople I ride with are spot on. And they kind of have the feel for knowing when they need to move on. It's, it's It's a talent. It's something that you learn over time. Why is sales so difficult? Because most salespeople, when you struggle, will say, raise the price and discount it or price match. And so... Since it's all about the price, and that's what you're thinking about through the presentation, it becomes about the price to the buyer. You talk them into what's going on. Salespeople talk buyers into objections every day of the week, every minute of the day. Because whatever you're feel fearful of and whatever you don't want to have happen are the things that you talk about. So like uh, before I meet with somebody, before I go into a presentation, before I go into a negotiation, I clear my mind. I look at like, what is the thing that I want? What's the outcome? I don't think about all the things that can go wrong. I don't think about all the problems. Why sales is so difficult is before you're going into a call, you're thinking of all the problems. So those are the things that you're talking about with your buyer. What the books don't tell you is you need to be comfortable to feel comfortable with the buyer. Uh, The go-to move for most people is rapport, but fake rapport is felt. Okay, so like a lot of people will come back and go like, I had a really good conversation Well, that's probably because you didn't ask any questions. And I'm not talking about tie downs. I'm talking about scenario-based questions, yes or or no-based questions, and maybe some tie downs in there. But, you know, if you go to old school sales training from the 60s and 70s, it's all about isn't it, shouldn't it, couldn't it, wouldn't it, don't you, won't you, all the old school tie downs. And so why is sales so difficult? Most salespeople don't know how to ask questions. Most salespeople ask all the same questions. And because of it, you look like the same sales guy that was just there. And what happens is you become a commodity. 
your process just it's just like uh you're going through the motions so i get hit up a lot for marketing calls and it's interesting that almost every marketing agency asks all the same questions you know it's it's almost to the point it's comical that i shot a video and said hey if you want to do marketing here's the things that you need to know um Every marketing company sounds the same, and here's all the reasons why. You're going to have to bring me something different. You're going to have to share with me something more amazing than what I just gave you all the options for. So if you want me to set up an appointment with me, you got to answer this question. You know, what makes your outcome so special if you already have one, two, and three? And I've already heard about it 27,000 times. And at some point, you got to go beyond the book and sales. At some point, you know, at the end of the day, there's only so much practice you can do. This is a mistake that I made. You know, I, I thought that if I could just read more, if I could just read more and take more classes, I would be the most prepared. But there is time, energy, work, and effort that you got to put into sales instead of just looking at why it's so difficult and trying to hedge your bet against everything that could be done, could possibly be done, could possibly be said. And so, you know, I do, even now today, I have a Word document of Word Tracks. And I keep a document of word tracks because like occasionally I'll look over them before a sales presentation and I might pick one of them up. I might pepper one or two of them into a sales presentation with it being brand new, but I don't want to use all of them in a presentation because even when you have a tool bag and you have tools and you don't use all the tools in your tool bag, well, the same thing goes for word tracks. The same thing goes for conversations. The same thing goes for the preparation that you do. There's everything that you prepare for and then (laughs) there's everything that happens. And I love... I love the saying from Mike Tyson, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face and being punched in the face metaphorically can be the way that your buyer meets with you, some objections that you face, some uh, circumstances that happen during the sales call. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my mom today and I was explaining to her the weirdest sales situation that I had been in. And uh, I really didn't know how to explain it to her without being graphic. And it was It was one of those things where I was like, uh, she said, Scott, what's the weirdest sales situation that you've been in? And I said, mom, this is an adult based theme conversation and it's going to get weird and it's going to get unusual. And I'm going to have to explain biological things that have been offered to me. And, um, I'm just going to leave it at that because this is a a G rated podcast and whoo, you know, there's, there's things that there's no way in the world that a book or a class could have prepared me for the weirdest sales call I've ever been on. Just, it, it doesn't happen. So why is sales so difficult? Because you don't put pen to paper, because you haven't put in the work, you haven't put in the effort, you haven't put in, in the struggle. And I know that's not the answer that everybody wants to hear. Everybody wants a silver bullet. They're like, I want the book. I want the podcast. I want the episode. And it's like, you got to put in the work. You you want the physique of a, of a bodybuilder? You got to put in the work. You want to be a top race car driver? You got to put in the work. You want to, you want to, you know, Climb Mount Everest, you got to put in the work unless you're Wim Hof. You know, there, there's there's an exception for every rule. I will give you that. There is an exception for every rule. But if you're asking yourself, why am I struggling in sales? The questions you should be asking is, how much role playing am I doing? How many presentations am I giving? How many times am I asking for the sale? You know, there's an old Asian proverb that says, don't do business with somebody until the third until the third objection. I'm roughly translating it. So if I'm saying it wrong, I know I'm saying it wrong. I'm just giving you an opportunity to look at something a little bit differently of saying, why am I struggling in sales? No role play, no practice, no presentation, no asking for the sale. And then last on this list, too much freaking rapport, too much rapport. You trick your brain into not asking for the sale 
because the person's your buddy, they're your friend, you're going to go fishing, you're going to go to the football game, you're going to go play pool, you're going to go to the bar. In all realities, they get to the end and they buddy friend you. Oh, come on, I can wait for this. Come on, you can give me a better price. And uh, it's your fault because you built too much rapport. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo. Mahalo.